This is the world's lightest blockchain. Here is a project that's focused on privacy, security, and decentralization. Welcome to the Beanpod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. This episode of the Beanpod is sponsored by KyberSwap. KyberSwap is a DEX and DEX aggregator, which is built to facilitate all your DeFi needs in one single platform. Fast, cheap, and safe. User experience is KyberSwap's sole focus to make everyone's life better in DeFi. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is Shane, aka the Jolly Green Investor. This is Josh, the Nifty Investor. Today, we have a very special guest. We have James Strudwick, who is the head of business development for Mina Foundation. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me, guys. Lovely, James. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us today. There's been a lot of uh, discussion lately. Uh, you know, Shane and I are both on Twitter quite frequently, keeping up with the markets, and it seems as though everybody from Elon Musk to Vitalik Buterin, uh, who is the co-founder of Ethereum, for those who don't know, are calling for crypto to become more uh, environmentally friendly, you know, better for the planet. This seems like a really hot topic right now. So can maybe you could describe to the listeners and the viewers who aren't necessarily familiar with Mina Protocol and how does it fit into this narrative? To, to put it simply, like Mina is a proof of stake layer one blockchain that's kind of focused on the original values of what blockchain stand for, right? So decentralization, uh, privacy, and security. And it does this through the means of advanced cryptography and what's called recursive zero-knowledge check, which I'm sure we'll get onto later. I think to answer your question around emissions and sort of the environment, it would kind of be best to go through some of the basics around how a blockchain operates. So Crypto systems are designed to operate on consensus amongst people with like an economic stake in the system, right? So you have proof of work systems such as Bitcoin, and they demonstrate economic stake kind of in an indirect way. So like you buy a bunch of computer hardware and you pay for a lot of electricity and you do a bunch of calculations to prove that basically that you care about Bitcoin. Proof of stake systems like Mina demonstrate the economic stake a little more directly. So you basically invest a significant amount of money in the native asset of the blockchain. So in this example, the Mina token, and you post it as a bond. And this basically it proves that you care. And this concept of so proof of stake uses far less electricity. It's kind of weird, right? Because burning lots of electricity to do sort of trillions of math calculations a second in a world which is which is warming seems pretty dumb. Proof of stake uses around 99.5% less electricity. So um, yeah, that's how, how we sort of fit into the mix there. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And when I look around the, the crypto industry, especially over the past maybe six to 12 months, it seems that projects that are, are making a, you know, a push for the green and sustainable and more scalable blockchains like Mina is, seem to be getting selected for, for partnerships and, and working with companies and it really fits in, you know, as the Jolly Green Investor, this is what I stand for and we stand for on the show. So it's really nice to see. And, and that's one of the reasons that we've, we've been talking about Mina so much. Now, when you, when you talk about Mina Protocol, one of the first things that comes up when you're on the website or if you're on your guys' social media is ZK Snarks. Now, I know this can be a, a bit of a technical question for a lot of people and maybe some of our listeners, but can you try to break down ZK Snarks in simple terms, what it is and why it's such a powerful for tool for Mina? 
I always feel as though blockchain is kind of doing its best to to copy the finance space and and sort of making its recovery as as impenetrable as possible. So I completely understand why some people get scared off. The acronym, so ZK Snark, basically stands for zero knowledge, succinct, non-interactive argument of knowledge, right? Which sounds pretty intimidating. Yeah. But it's actually relatively simple. Essentially, they're like these very small and easy to verify cryptographic proofs. And the way that Mina uses these ZK snarks, uh, it's sort of two two primary ways. So first of all, basically ZK snarks capture the state of the entire blockchain, right? So the network nodes store this proof instead of all the data. So when a new block is produced, a new snapshot is taken with the previous network state and the new block. And so as the blockchain becomes larger, these sort of ZK snark snapshots um, or block blockchain summaries, you can call them, contain a proof of its validity based on metadata rather than the full blockchain history. And basically this new lightweight snapshot reflects the entire state of the blockchain. And this process is just repeated as new blocks are added, which allows the blockchain to remain at a constant size. So when you were speaking earlier about a lightweight blockchain, that's what we're talking about when we say lightweight. The, the second way that Mina uses ZK snarks is in order to power what are called ZK apps, right? So for this, it's important to understand that a ZK snark basically refers to like a proof construction where one can prove possession of certain information without revealing that information, right? Uh, and without any interaction between the prover and the verifier. So I'll put things in sort of more, more simple terms. So. I'll use an analogy that actually we have on our website that I really like. Um, so imagine you and I are playing a game of, of Where's Waldo, right? By the way, we say Wally in the UK, so I feel like you're I'll go with it. Anyway, we're playing a competitive game, and I find Waldo, but I don't want to show you where he is on the page, because otherwise you could just say, hey, I've seen him too. So how can I prove where he is without showing you where he is? Well, you can do that with a via a ZK snark. Right. That's interesting. So, I mean, we've been pretty technical so far to date in this episode talking, you know, I can imagine being somebody who's maybe tuning in for the first time yep. and be like, what the heck are these guys talking about? For sure. ZK snarks and, you know, proof of knowledge. But that was a great real world example. Is there any other real world examples that you could maybe express where this sure. zero knowledge technology could be utilized in an everyday um, versus just a game, for example, that we just discussed, maybe like an everyday situation where it could be used. And furthermore, is there any ecosystem partners that are working on anything now that may be coming out in the future? Yeah, sure. So um, I think that one area that's super interesting and becoming kind of more relevant at the moment is is verifiability. So I, th I think I read somewhere that less than 50% of people trust uh, tech companies to do the right thing when when faced with a decision that will impact their users, right? Which is pretty pretty stark, right? And I think that when we use websites today, we have no idea where the information they're presenting is is coming from. Like, is it true? Is it false? Is it generated by a bot? So, with a zero knowledge proof, so like a zk snark, uh, guarantees can be provided of sort of data and computational authenticity. So. Ideally, when you use a platform, it would know that you're an authentic person and not a bad actor. And you would know this about the other people on the platform as well. 
So like in the physical world, we use passports or driving licenses to verify who we are. Um, applying a sort of digital passport to the web kind of prevents a substantial privacy risk. But with zero knowledge proofs, people can provide sort of private proofs of identity, demonstrating that they match sort of relevant criteria to use a platform. For example, that they're a real person, that they only have one account on this website, uh, that they haven't been banned in the last six months without revealing any particular details of their identity or exposing any private information. So that's, that's one sort of use case that I really like. I think the second one is within in the privacy sphere. So again, sort of most centralized internet sites don't have a great history when it comes to handling data. Ideally sort of users would be able to use the websites of their choice without exposing any of their private information. Right. And with zero knowledge proofs, again, ZK Snarks, a company can leverage a user's information without ever actually taking custody of that information. And this goes for more traditional databases. So let's say you're applying for a mortgage. Banks require like this huge list of information, right? In order to feel certain that you can be trusted to pay them back. They need your credit score, your banking history, information on other debts, your marital information, health information, et cetera. And all of this is generally stored and can easily slip into the wrong hands. Um, and instead of taking that risk, you can simply share a proof that you meet whatever criteria they require without actually showing any of that data, without actually revealing any of that data. And you do this via a, a zero knowledge proof. And what's really cool is that the programming language to create these zero knowledge apps, these ZK apps as we call them, is a programming language called SnarkyJS. And it's based on TypeScript, which is one of the most popular and used programming languages in the world. So we have a whole host of people that are working on these kinds of use cases at the moment. That's that's really cool. I like the the mortgage analogy. I think we've talked about that when we've we've been discussing Mina in our in previous episodes on social media. You know, I think a lot of our listeners can probably resonate with, you know, maybe having applied for a mortgage or dealt with that at some point. So it's always nice to have real world scenarios that people can relate to, to really understand how powerful these, this MENA tech and the ZK, the ZK snarks can be. And then the other thing you mentioned was potentially having it uh, verify who the person is on a website, which, you know, a very hot topic right now is the blue check mark with Elon Musk's new Twitter. So, you know, on, on the, on this podcast, we always like to talk about trending topics, especially, you know, it, it brings to light what companies like MENA have been working on and to see, potential real world uh, use cases for your technology pop up and be, you know, all the rage and everyone's talking about it. I feel like that it kind of gives a bit of validity to what your team has been working on for so long. And that kind of brings me to my next question. Obviously, you know, crypto is in an interesting state right now. We've seen what has happened with centralized platforms, all kinds of scandals, shady stuff going on everywhere. It seems like one, there's been, there's, now we're seeing a massive shift back towards decentralized platforms from centralized platforms, which is actually backed up with some stats that we talked about on a recent episode showing how people are moving from centralized platforms and blockchains to decentralized ones. So right now, decentralization is one of the most important topics in the crypto industry. And at the start of the episode, we mentioned that Mina is focusing on decentralization specifically. So can you talk about a little bit of what Mina is doing in that regard, just to kind of put decentralization as, as your, your top focus or one of your focuses? Yeah, sure. So 
you know, obviously I, I, I won't comment too much about sort of particular firms or projects, um, but I think that what's pretty apparent is the uh, recent failures uh, in our industry were a failure of centralized systems, not necessarily a failure of blockchain technology per se. Um, and so centralized systems allow for complete lapses in transparency that wouldn't be able to happen on a decentralized network. Um, where I would link this to, to MENA is by a sort of this paradox in crypto where oftentimes the, the bigger a blockchain gets, the more centralized it becomes. And this is generally because sort of full node verification becomes computationally more difficult and expensive, which limits who can participate in securing the network. And um, yeah, so MENA empowers more people to participate because verification is, is way more affordable and way more secure. Uh, so right now, uh, like other MENA ecosystem partners are working to make it so that anyone using a, a simple web browser can run a node, right? Which is, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. And so the more users who can participate in securing the network, the more decentralized the protocol. And, and this is something that we really care about, this sort of decentralization at scale. Um, you know, when anyone can enforce the rules by validating a public ledger, power remains in the hands of many and not the few, which hasn't been the case recently. You know, most of the attention from blockchain developers over the past year or two has been focused, in my opinion, pretty singularly on increasing the scale of blockchains. And sort of my thesis, I would say, is that we're slowly starting to see that, like, although pretty important, scale isn't everything, and that decentralization is a primary consideration. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. And we have, like you said, we have seen that outflow from centralized to decentralized and, you know, more about what crypto is designed to actually be in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So we, we discussed a bit about the actual technology uh, in terms of zero knowledge proofs and the ZK snarks. We've discussed a little bit about the decentralization, but I think it's important to discuss the proof of stake aspect of things. What is what makes Mina so special as well in terms of, how it's environmentally friendly. So there's different, obviously different proof of stakes. So we have delegated proof of stake. We have pure proof of stake, proof of importance. So there's different versions of proof of stake. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on uh, Mina's version of proof of stake. Yeah, so this can, this can get pretty uh, pretty complicated. So I'll try and say <laughs> relatively yeah. surface level. Like, so the, the proof of stake consensus mechanism that, that we use is called Ouroboros Samasika, right? Which uh, I can barely pronounce it myself. <laughs> um, like the primary difference between MENA's proof of stake versus others is that it achieves consensus without long-term history, right? So this goes back to the to the ZK SNARKs uh, first use case that I highlighted earlier. Um, I guess the other point of difference worth mentioning compared to other proof of stake protocols like Solana, for example, is that our proof of stake consensus system doesn't involve locking up stakes to validate, right? Which is which is pretty cool as well. But yeah, I'll, I'll stop there because otherwise it can get pretty pretty heavy. Yeah, that's fair enough. No, it's just it's good to just you know give like a, a broad overview and just know that you know there are there's there's differences in what Mina is doing to then a lot of the other projects out there, which is one of the reasons that we like Mina, and one of the other reasons that we've kind of you know we we research a lot of projects on this show. Um, and we like to find certain things or certain use cases that can make it very easy for what doesn't matter if you're a newbie in crypto or if you're an OG crypto head, certain things that can, it's, it's like that light bulb moment where you start using a technology from a business or a protocol and it just gives you you're like, wow, 
So one of the things that I think, or we are excited about the potential with Meetup is this, what is it? It's the one, one universal, one private internet login capability. So, you know, kind of like, not, not exactly the same, but to, to give a, a, a user perspective, it's like, you know, you have, you have your MetaMask and you can connect to different websites and it makes it very easy. But I think Mina is working on something in even a different way where you can log into a lot of sites eventually from one, you know, one account. And also I feel like the, the zero knowledge, um, not sharing your vulnerable data, but still being able to log in. So if, if you can give us any more information about that and how that might work, or you know, get yeah. people excited about that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and I think this is one of these one of these areas that that could really interest a lot of people. I think that this use case kind of demonstrates how how zk tech in general is really going to help bridge the gap and bring sort of this these millions of users over to Web three. So the concept of this like one private internet login is 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 pretty simple. So basically, users can access any internet website or service privately without creating an account and handing over all their personal data, right? So instead, all they do is they log in securely with Mina. Um, they basically create these sort of what are called ZK app-based login accounts on Mina using their email, for example. And then the ZK app proves to the website that the user owns the underlying email address without actually even giving the email address itself, mm -hmm. right? So essentially, we, we've had a sort of, evolution recently where like Apple and Google made logins a little more simple with a this sort of centralized login service, but it's a login that isn't private. It's a login that isn't censorship resistant. Um, and even though right now this is just a concept, uh, it's a solution that is going to be trustless, private and censorship resistant in the future. I, I do think at this point it's kind of worth highlighting another area where I think web two and web three coincide that I don't see getting enough attention when it comes to Mina. And it's the possibility of like interaction with the internet. So at the moment, real world information is generally off limits to blockchain applications, which kind of limits scope and sort of general utility. And Mina ZK apps can basically privately interact with any website and access sort of real world data for use on chain, right? So developers can use real world data in, in computing and decision-making without ever compromising privacy. And then so users can not only access the chain in sort of this permissionless way that I was talking about before, but they can, they can bring all of their data with them. And like people may get that a little bit confused with like oracles at the moment, but like oracles on Mina don't need off-chain infrastructure, right? They can afford to just directly pull data on chain and compute it on chain. And that removes like this whole piece of infrastructure that's vulnerable and sort of non-transparent out of the stack. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And so going back to the, uh, the universal login, is that something you envision, you know, we talked about potential use cases earlier today, uh, whether it was, um, the proof of proof of privacy with the mortgages or the healthcare or even DeFi transactions with the, with the universal login, is that, would that kind of relate? to how users would potentially use um, these kind of websites? Is, is it kind of all locked into one, you know, one circle of, of how the user would experience the technology? Does it all relate like that? Yeah, I, I think eventually that would be the idea, right? I mean, this is conceptual for the moment, but there's no reason why you ever have to log into any service again, right? You just, you'll be able to have all your identity on Mina 
prove the identity that you require for any service that you require, get a mortgage sort of using your identity as opposed to having to send over a bunch of data, you know, use Twitter, use Facebook, use Google, whatever it is that you're doing online, eventually you should be able to do that entirely privately and entirely trustlessly. Very cool. I feel like now, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of technical things, but when we, you know, we start breaking it down and bring real world use cases into it. And then that very eloquent uh, explanation that you gave can now give people, you know, a, a, an insight into the potential power of what Mina protocol can do. I really like the one private internet login. Yeah. yeah I'm a complete dummy when it comes to using technology. And I'm also, you know, cyber attacks get greater and whatnot. You know, I think the privacy aspect is going to be huge. Um, so I know we're in a, we're in a crypto bear market right now. And when we're doing our research, we're trying to find projects that are still building, are still developing, are still gaining strength, even though we are in this bear market. So I know, you know, I like to look at like GitHub and see, you know, what sort of activities going on there. Wallet addresses, are they increasing? Maybe you could explain a little bit where Mina protocol is currently at with adoption, you know, whether that's the amount of holders, the community members, maybe different ZK apps that are currently in development. Yeah, sure. So I think that, you know, part of what makes Mina so special is, is our community. Um, so we have like active participants in, I think more than a hundred countries and a lot of our community members are incredibly educated and passionate about sort of zero knowledge systems and the potential of ZK apps. Um, I, I'm not sure about the exact numbers off the top of my head around sort of staking metrics, but there are really great tools being built by community members like Mina Scan and Mina Explorer, where you can find all of these stats on general adoption and staking. I can tell you that we have, you know, 200,000 plus followers on Twitter, 60,000 across like Discord and Telegram, um, and a huge amount of developers being drawn to the chain uh, with sort of the number of ZK apps being deployed growing every day. I, I think, you know, I was in Colombia a couple of months back for sort of ETH Bogota and a couple of the other conferences that were going on there. And I think every other talk that that was on was around zero knowledge proofs, right? And it's it's pretty apparent that a lot of people are starting to see that this is how we move to the next phase of adoption. Um, and I think that Mina is probably the, the chain that is the most set uh, or the most advanced when it comes to making that a reality. That's exciting. One of the things that we can always tell about a project is how the community is. You know, anytime Josh and I tweet about a project, you can always ga in, gauge the level of activeness of a community. And I have to say, anytime I mention Mina or tweet about Mina or share a Mina tweet, you can always see the rabid Mina fans coming out and supporting it, which is, is always great to see. Um, so is there any sort of exciting news or important milestones coming up in the you know, near to midterm future that you could share with us? Yeah, so uh, sort of things that I'm allowed to share at the moment, I guess, uh, you know, we're focused on bringing sort of easier ZK app programmability um, to, to mainnet and supporting developers. So at the moment we have uh, ZK Ignite, which is, um, we have, I think cohort zero it's called, is, it's a program that we have wrapping up. And this was like this huge initiative with the 250,000 MENA price pool to get developers building. Um, we're pretty excited about the results so far. Um, we plan to launch uh, an even larger effort with, with ZK Ignite uh, Cohort 1, and that will be next year. So if you're a developer or you know one, come and have a look, come and build on Mina, come and test out um, 
Snarky.js, like I'm sure you'll be impressed. There's a lot of really exciting things happening happening with Mina. We've discussed, you know, the privacy aspect of it, the technology behind it, the decentralization. I'm pretty sure, you know, what you just elaborated to there, I'm sure you're going to have a ton of new information coming out over the next year, two years, three years, et cetera. Where can we send people to follow Mina? Um, you know, whether that's Twitter account, websites, et cetera. Where, where should we send our listeners to follow more on Mina? Yeah, sure. So like our website is minaprotocol.com uh, and then we're on all the usual channels. So Twitter, Discord, Telegram, Reddit. We have we have really good educational content about sort of zero knowledge tech generally on YouTube. Uh, and we have a whole bunch of community members dropping threads and medium articles everywhere. So you'll, you'll be able to find us. Perfect. We'll, we'll drop some of the links to Mina, both their website and some of the socials in the description of this episode. And um, yeah, I think this has been a really good discussion. We've learned even more about Mina than we already knew. And I have to say, I'm very excited for the future of Mina and the whole industry moving in the direction of the technology that you seem to be developing. So uh, thanks a lot for joining us, James. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your time, guys. Awesome. Hey, guys, make sure you smash the like button. Make sure you're subscribed and then tune into the next episode. That one's going to be a banger. views expressed by speakers on the bean pod are solely their opinions you should not treat any opinion expressed on the bean pod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy but only as an expression of their opinion this podcast is for informational purposes only